0: Good morning, good morning. Hey, I'm so honored to continue our series, Special Delivery. You know, in this series, we see that God wants to actively partner with us to deliver his goodness, his mercy, his miracles to others. When we start to really partner with God, when we really align ourselves with God's agenda, that's when the power of God flows through our lives. So if you want more power of God in your life, then I will say, hey, align yourself with what's important to God. Now, Pastor Ron talked about having a lifestyle of being a delivery man or a delivery woman last week. I love that imagery. You know, when you deliver something, the goodness doesn't come from you. The goodness comes from the manufacturer, in this case, heaven. Our job is simply to deliver the goods and put it in people's, um, put people, put it in people's hands uh, to touch their lives. You know, the Bible tells us that heaven is less Like an amusement park. Can you imagine the merry-go-round that goes on forever and never and never and never. It's less like an amusement park, but more like the Pentagon. It's a command center. It's a recruiting center. It's a place where we're looking for strategy and vision. Now, Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I, too, am working. So you see, God's full of vision. Even right now, he's strategizing. There's goodness. There's mercy. There's miracles that he wants to deliver to everyone on earth, and he wants to partner with us to do that. Now, today we're going to dig a little deeper into this concept. We want to talk about some of the mindset and the heart attitudes we have so that we can partner with God. I want to be super honest here. For many of us, myself included, the thought of partnering with God to deliver his miracles is completely intimidating. Think about that. Me, partner with God to deliver his miracles. Like what the heck? You know, it looks really good when I hear your stories about it or I read stories about it. You know, I'm thinking it's just for those really prophetic people and for those who are really good at hearing the voice of God. But how about me? I I struggle with talking with strangers in my own church in the foyer and I'm the pastor. You know, when I was a kid, I would have such anxiety with my parents to say, hey, call to order for pizza. I have to talk to a stranger on the phone. I mean, that was my mentality. So you want me to go partner with God to deliver miracles to other people? So when Pastor Ron approached me to teach this specific message, I knew God had a sense of humor. I knew God was (laughs) up to something. But, you know, as I was diving into the material, by the way, the book, um, uh, you were born for this, by Bruce Wilkinson's. Where we get some of the text, some of the message for this. When I really dive into this message, I felt the Lord really impress, impress upon me uh, a message which I'm going to share with you. He, he said to me, He said, you need to stop comparing yourself to other people. We need to just take a breather and stop comparing ourselves to other people's stories. Stop putting God in a box. Stop putting ourselves in the box. What He wants from us is simply for us to take the next step. Just one step. We can all take one step, right? Just one step closer to partnership with God. Today, I want to share four mindsets of those who partner with God. Each of us might have different aptitude or different ability or different experiences. Some of us might really be excited about one attitude. Others might be completely intimidated by the same one. Regardless, we need to stop comparing ourselves. We simply need to look at all four of these attitudes, four of these mindsets, and say, how can I take one step closer in each of these mindsets? So here we go, I'm gonna start going at it. I wanna make sure we don't run out of time. I think the service ends at 11.15. All right, the first mindset is this. We need to proactively ask God to send us to partner with him. Now this prayer seems super simple, but bear with me here. When you truly said this prayer, when you said, Lord, send me on a mission, send me in the partnership with you, what you are actively saying, you're saying is my day is no longer mine. My money is no longer mine. My words are no longer mine. My time is no longer mine. We are actively submitting ourselves to God's agenda. You see, God has already called us. Okay, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. In Matthew 28, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So the command's already been given. Go, partner. But you know as well as I do, just because the command's been given doesn't mean the command has been followed. Every night, it's time for bed. I tell my kids, I say, hey, it's time to get to bed. And I have three kids. I'm lucky to get 33% compliance. (laughs) Sometimes when I'm lucky, I get 66%. It's always one or two out of the three, okay? The point is, just because a command has been given, doesn't mean someone says, I'm going to catch a command and go with it. Because Jesus also said this. He said, for many are called, but few are chosen. And that's a warning. That's that, that, that verse is in context of the parable of the wedding feast. Many are invited in this feast, but few actually come. And check this out in Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing diseases and afflictions. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, sheep without shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly for the Lord to harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Again, Jesus was telling us he's actively looking for those who didn't just hear the call, who didn't just say, that's a good call, agree with the call, acknowledge the call, but for those who said, I'm right here, send me this guy. Remember that guy in class whenever the teacher asked a question, they're like, oh, me, 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 this guy. Oh, send me, send me. I was never that guy. I was the guy sitting in the front, hiding, just don't want any attention, I want to be left alone. But not so with Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. He, was in the, he had a glimpse of the throne room of God. Okay. I remember when I was in grad school, over and over again in class, the teacher would throw out questions, and I would never answer the question. Even when I was like 99.9% sure of the answer, I wouldn't answer. Just for the small chance I might get it wrong and get embarrassed. Okay. So I was that guy. I didn't want to answer. And whenever the answer came out, I had the right answer. I'm like, oh, why didn't I ask? But I was intimidated. I was intimidated by the professor, the other students. I felt everyone was so smart, blah, blah, blah. Imagine being in the throne room. God. The Trinity, the Godhead, is having a discussion with the angels. In that environment, I'm telling you, I would shrink. I would never think to raise my hand. But then you got Isaiah here. Okay. And when you hear a discussion, say, who should I send? He had enough passion. He had enough Excitement, he had enough urgency in him to say, me, send me, this guy, the guy that that doesn't understand anything. I don't even know what I'm sent to do. But I wanna partner with you so bad, God. Send me, this guy right here. Send me. That's what God's looking for. That's who God is looking for. What does it look like for us when we wake up in the morning The first thought in our mind is not my to do list, not my agenda, not what I gotta accomplish today, but instead, Lord, send me to deliver your goodness today. What about when we go into like a business meeting, okay? You have all that agenda you wanna go through, but you just pause for a moment and say, Lord, I want this meeting to honor you today. I want you to send me to deliver your goodness today. Maybe when you come home from a hard day of work, all you want to do is sit on the couch, turn on the TV, and just lounge and relax. But instead you pray and say, Lord, send me to deliver your goodness to my family, to meet the needs of my family today. There's so many of us who knows that God wants to partner with us. He has called us to partner with him. But why are so few of us participating in this call? I came up with three reasons I hope you resonate with why we don't respond to this call of God to partner with him. The first reason is this. We truly don't understand the call to partner with God. We think if we, if we respond, if we, if we volunteer, if we say, God, I'm with you, I want to go and partner with you, that means that you either have to become a pastor or a missionary and go live in the hut, okay? <laughs> I don't live in the hut. I live in a nice house down the street, so it's not true. Nor does it mean that you might be sent to the other side of the world. maybe. But maybe not look at the context of the verse i just cited above jesus was showing compassion for those right next to them those in israel it's great to have compassion for the orphans on the other side of the world but that's have compassion for the needs right there around us jesus certainly has and he wants to send you to deliver the miracles to them but even more importantly to partner with god to be called by god to be sent by god doesn't necessarily mean you got to be a pastor and work at the church. In fact, for most of you, it doesn't mean that. He wants to partner with you in your sphere of ministry, in your school, in the supermarket, in your family, in your workplace, in the gym. He wants to partner with you right now and right here. So that's the first reason why we don't truly partner with God. We think it's going to send us to do something we don't want to do. No, God wants to partner with you right here. The second reason we don't wholeheartedly part of God is the issue that really hits my heart, is that we want control over our own lives. This is what I said earlier, when you truly ask God to send you on the mission, your day's no longer yours, your money's no longer yours, your words is no longer yours, your time's no longer yours. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have a degree of like a control freak inside, you are so annoyed by that statement. I, speaking to all the control freaks out there, I got a degree in my heart. You know, if I create agenda for something, I would end up following it religiously, even though I don't want to. I'm like, why am I following this? I came up with this. I just have just had that mentality. If I made an agenda, I want to follow it. My to-do list, my calendar. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things. In fact, some of you might need to work on having an agenda, having a calendar, so you can, you know, be better stewards of your time. However... This can be expanded. Uh, when I get into the zone, when I get locked into my agenda, to my schedule, I sometimes get so tunnel vision, I lose sight of what's important. I'll give you an example. Okay? I'm no better now, but I'll give you an example. My wife is in the overflow. You can ask her if this is a true story. Early in my marriage, pretty early, like first year into my marriage, uh, I had a life group. Okay? A bunch of guys get together, we're doing a life group. Okay? I'm just about to open to my life group lesson. I have everything planned out, I got my agenda, about to teach my life group lesson. Lo and behold, my wife interrupts us with a birthday cake, with a surprise celebration for my birthday. She, she talks with the guys, they all planned everything, they were gonna surprise me for my birthday. My response was, I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed. <laughs> Why was I annoyed? Because of the cakes you baked me, because the heart and the energy she put into all this? No, I was so annoyed because she interrupted my lesson. <laughs> I have an agenda to teach. I was so annoyed. I don't remember what men was in that group, but if you were there, you remember this too. I mean, it was obvious. It does seem kind of silly to you. You don't have this problem, but if it does relate to you, I don't know. It might be silly to some of you, but for me, it's this very real situation. If you want to have control, it's very, very difficult to genuinely say this prayer. I just want to be true about that. It's very difficult. And what we need to do is we need to ask for brokenness. Because at the end of the day, we need to recognize deep in our heart that God's way is better than our way. Okay, the reason we cling onto our agenda so hard is because we think our agenda is the best, even though we might not know it in our head, in our heart, we feel like it's the best. Okay, we need to recognize God's agenda is better. The third reason we have a hard time genuinely saying this prayer to say, "God send me," is because we might not feel like we are qualified. But here's the issue. What truly qualifies us is that we are willing to ask God to send us. Think about the delivery person. Who's delivering, say, the newest technology, the newest iPhone, the newest iPad or whatever, iMac to your household. What qualifies this person to deliver this package? Is it because they are an Apple genius? Is it because they they have master of infrastructure or they're great at marketing and design? No, their expertise is to put the box in their car, drive to your house, take the box out, and ring the doorbell. That's it. That's the level of expertise. The delivery person recognized the goodness of God. The goodness, the miracle that brings good to people is not manufactured by us. We simply need the willingness. What qualifies us is the willingness to say, God, I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to put down my agenda, and I want to partner with you. So that is the first mindset we need to have, is to simply say, Lord, send me. I'm ready. Send me now. The second um, mindset shift we need to have in our head is that God cares about people, and he cares about you too. It seems, again, very simple, but hear me out. We need to start with understanding that at the end of the day, God's concern is not buildings, it's not systems, it's not perfection, it's not influence, it's not efficiency, it's people. Now, all the things I just described are good things, and we want more of those things. However, all those things are simply a means to the end. And what happens we get so focused on these other things. Buildings are great, but why do we want building? So we can love people. Why do we want efficiency? So we can love people. Why do we want systems? So we can better love people. We need to make sure the main thing stays the main thing. Now this is all easy to say. We can talk about it all day. Here's the reality. Here, here's where the rubber meets the road. We quickly forget God cares about people. It's easy to remember God cares about people when we're with appreciative people people who loves the delivery, people who says, hey, you're doing a great job, people who are courteous and kind and nice. But the second, we're with someone who doesn't care for you, who doesn't doesn't appreciate the goodness, doesn't appreciate the hard work, doesn't appreciate the love and kindness you show them. Man, how quickly do we forget that God cares about people? There's another reason why. Uh, we easily forget. You know, even when I was writing this sermon, this moment popped up in my heart. I'm writing, God cares about people. Okay, we got to live in the reality that God cares about people. You guys remember the, the thing you learned in math and, in high school A equals B, B equals C, therefore A equals C. It's like the transitive property or something like that. Math teacher can correct me. But I was writing that God cares about people. I'm thinking about how can I really communicate? How can I really live in the reality that God cares about people? And I felt the Lord drop in my heart and says, God cares about people. Think about this. I'm a people. God must care for me then. And it dawned upon me, I'm like, wait a second. Do I, we talk about God cares about people. Do I even live in the reality that God cares for me? Now just slow down for a second and really think about it. Now I'm not talking about the theology that God loves us. Or the idea or the construct that God loves us. I'm talking about the reality that God truly loves us. Do I really live in this reality? Does the fact that God loves me, cares for me, reflect every decision I make? Does that affect the words I say? Does it affect my emotion? Does it affect my actions? Do I really live in that reality that God cares for me? Sometimes we work, we strive, we labor, we serve And next thing you know, the care is gone, the compassion is gone, the empathy is gone, and we're left empty. And we keep going through those motions because we're supposed to. But in our heart, the fuel is gone to love and to care. And next thing you know, we find ourselves not really caring about people anymore because you don't feel cared for. Does that make sense? Maybe that's when we got to ask ourselves the question, do I still live in the reality that God cares for me? Another way that we can quickly lose our care and another way we can really really lose the reality that God cares for me is when we are hurt by people. This is what happens when we get hurt by people, our quick reaction, okay? First of all, we say, well, they didn't mean it. So they didn't mean it, I shouldn't be hurt by it, okay? I shouldn't be hurt by it. Other times you get hurt by people, you say stuff like, you know what, I'm tough, I'm, I'm strong, that doesn't hurt me, that doesn't bother me. I find myself saying that. And what happens, you have these invisible arrows in your heart, in your head, in your back. And you walk around with these arrows, don't want to pull them out, don't want to deal with them because you want to pretend you're not hurt when you're hurt. Can I give you permission that if you truly are hurt, doesn't matter what their intentions are, doesn't matter if they mean it or not, doesn't matter how tough or how strong you are, if you're hurt, you're hurt. And you can't walk around with all these arrows inside of you because what happens when you have untreated wounds is they get infected. And you know what the infection is? The Lord showed me the infection is the enemy's whisper to say, God doesn't care about you. You let that simmer and simmer and simmer. You never deal with those wounds. You never deal with those hurts because you pretend it's not there even though you're deeply hurt. And next thing you know, you find yourself withdrawing from people. You find yourself hanging out with more animals than people. You find yourself playing more computer games and watching TV and all those other things instead of hanging out with people because you're so hurt from people inside. And next thing you know, you don't want to partner with God at all because you know partnership with God will take you back to people. If I'm talking about you today, I'm going to ask you just take a breather. Think about it. Do you still live in the reality that God loves you and God cares for you. If you don't, you got to get back there. you got to take some time and pray. And if you've been hurt, you got to take some time to heal and talk with someone and process it. Get those arrows pulled out. Get it, get it treated. Deal with the infection. Get your heart healed. When you live in the reality that God cares for you, that's when you have the resource to be able to care for other people. And you are reunited in your partnership with God. So that's the second mentality. The third one is this. This one is a difficult one. Not that any of these are easy. We need to develop the mindset that our partnership with God doesn't even begin until you are at your ends. I say it one more time. Our partnership doesn't even begin until you are at the end of yourself. We need to realize that the work that God wants to do, the miracle that God wants to deliver, is beyond your pay grade. We need to embrace, embrace that. You know, most people, like, if you're like me, every day you got challenges, barriers, obstacles. And you deal with these challenges uh, because they're pretty much under your control. They might be easy, and they might be difficult, they might be challenging, but you kind of got it okay? Every day, day-to-day basis. So we filter everything through those lens, okay? If there's something we can manage, then we'll deal with it. If there's something that's way beyond us, we just kind of completely ignore. We're like, ah, eh, that's not about me anymore. Nothing I can do. But partnership with God is having the mentality to recognize that there are problems, needs, and issues that God wants to meet that's so much beyond you. It's beyond our own limitation. You know, in our serious voices Pastor Ron addressed. address The importance of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to move us to to meet the needs of other people. I'm going to just touch on that a little bit right here. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus was effectively saying the power of the Holy Spirit is so much better than me hanging out with you. Just think about that for a second. You know, years ago, about a decade ago, I was uh, invited to lead our worship team. If you know anything about me, it will it's, 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 make you laugh for me to lead the worship team. There's a couple of reasons why. Number one, I wasn't on the worship team. Number two, I don't have the talent or the ability to lead the worship team. And number three, I don't even listen to music. Like, people ask me all the newest song by who and who. I'm just like, I don't know. It's like, a worship. I love time of worship. I love coming before the presence of God. But on my own, I'm not listening to the newest song or music. That's just not who I am. And in that context, I was coming in to lead the worship team, and it was completely intimidating. I felt scared. I felt inadequate, all those different things. In the middle of all this, I'm supposed to have a conversation with someone who's been on the worship team for a long time, and, and he's very talented. He's a good friend of mine. But this is a challenging conversation. You guys know what I mean? A difficult conversation to have. Uh, I had no idea how to have this. I was afraid this, this conversation would go haywire and people get offended and I will break up the team and all these different things. So guess what? I just ignored it. I ignored this conversation because I didn't want to deal with it. But then I felt the Lord said to me, why don't you ask me for help? Ask me for help in this very difficult situation. So I brought the issue before the Lord. And the Lord says, wait a few days and I'm going to tell you what to say. And lo and behold, in a couple days I waited, and then he dropped the exact words I need to say to this guy in my heart. And I opened up with those words, and I came out of that difficult conversation. We resolved the issue, and we came out of this conversation, we are better friends than ever before. And I came out of that, and I'm like, how, why would I never thought of that before? Asking God. To help me with difficult conversations. How often do we avoid conflicts and let it simmer until one day it blows up on us, okay? Especially in the church. We avoid those conversations because it's beyond us. It's beyond our abilities. It's beyond our emotional ability to be able to handle it. Why do we not ask the Holy Spirit for help? When is the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to help you in a way that you have no idea how to meet? In a need that is way beyond you. So many of us, we process our problem and challenges through our ability, our lenses, right? Our experience. We need to stop this. We need to recognize the greater it is, the needs we're supposed to fulfill beyond our ability, the greater glory God gets. The limit to our ability is the beginning of our partnership with God. I'll say it one more time the limit to our ability is simply the beginning of our partnership with God. I I want to ask you this. Do you currently have a need that's bigger than yourself? Do you have a decision to make that you have no idea how to make? Do you have a tough conversation you need to have that you know you need to have, but you don't have the capacity to have it? Do you know people around you that have needs that you have no idea you want to meet, but you just don't have the resource or the ability to meet those needs? Do we write them off? because they're too big for us? Or do we understand the greater the need, the greater the glory God gets? The miracle doesn't begin until we are at our ends. So the third mindset we need to have is we need to start looking at these crazy needs, crazy impossibility with fresh set of the eyes to say, does God want to partner with me in this situation? The fourth mindset, risk is not always something to be minimized. See, in our culture today, risk assessment is big business. Insurance companies, investors, banks spend tons of money minimizing their risk for financial gains. And I am not knocking that. I get it. In another life, I will be a great accountant working for one of these risk assessment firms, okay? In fact, uh, my, way, my, my lens towards life for most of my life is keeping, keeping myself, keeping my family, keeping my assets safe. Like, I get that. I'm not knocking that. What I'm saying is if you have this mindset of risk assessment, you take it to the nth degree, you expand to everything we do, you're going to run into some trouble in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom, you have to exercise faith. And we know Hebrew tells us faith, the definition of faith is the substance of things we hope for or we cannot see. So if you want to trust in something you can't see and trust in something that you cannot touch, that's risky you will have to embrace some risk. The problem is that God performed his greatest miracles when we are in complete dependence on him. And with that comes risks. When we embrace risk, I know there's something in your gut. It goes against your instinct. It goes against everything you've been taught. But if we want to partner with God, taking risk is a necessity. And we need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable when we start to embrace our partnership with God, when we start to feel that maybe that little anxious voice, we start to feel that pit in our stomach, we need to embrace that and realize God's about to do something awesome. I am on the journey of faith. Our mindset needs to be shifted. I think through my life, I realized some of my greatest joys and yours probably too came from the greatest risks. I risked Pretty much everything. When I packed everything in my car 12 years ago, packed everything in my car and drove from Virginia to northwest Indiana, I didn't know where I was going to live. I don't know what kind of jobs I was, was going to get. I don't know really who any of you guys are. I knew it was Pastor Ron. It was risky. It was risky when I started life group. I didn't know who was going to come. It was risky when I led the worship team. I have no capability to lead that. The greatest risk I ever took actually was when I asked my wife to marry me. Because I knew in my heart, I knew deeply that I don't have the capacity to meet her needs. I don't have the capacity to love her for her to come fully alive. But the Lord said to me, if you take this risk, if you go all in, I will give you the capacity to love her. And he's faithful with his promises. Now, this is not a license to live recklessly. It's not a license to go and do carnal risk. I believe a lot of the carnal risk we have in our culture today, a lot of big business on on crazy risk, gambling, all these different things, is really to fulfill the godly desire in us to go on an adventure with God. But when we deny ourselves in that partnership, the legitimate godly risk we, take, we have these outlets to do these risky things of the world, the carnal risk things of the world. I'm not promoting those things. I'm simply saying you cannot partner with God unless you embrace risk. In our culture today, in our, even our church culture today, we need to be awakened by that. We need to go back to faith and embrace risk. Now I just want to share a quick story about my journey with just a small little social risk I had to take. But it taught me... Some huge lessons. You know, Pastor Ron mentioned in a few weeks in Market Share, we have the guys from Texas at the Beat and Bull Company coming to share with us. Um, about two months ago, they did a business meeting here at the church called The Gathering. Some of you guys were there. And this is a business meeting like no other. Because part of the uh, workshop is listening to the voice of God, listening to the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't just teaching us. this. Holly who's leading the session. wasn't just teaching us. Uh, she wasn't just doing teaching. She actually made us do it. Okay? So part of the session, you got to write down what the Lord told you. And it's like, okay, went through that. And then the second part was ask the Lord to give you a word to the person to your right. And then you got to share that with them. Talk about taking a little bit of risk. Just all the things that go through your head. Man, what, what if I say something stupid? Or they're like, no, that's dumb. I don't do that. I mean, just all the things. Of course, no one would say it, but that's the risk you take, right? Well, in the middle of all that, I was floating around. I wasn't sitting at any table. But I felt compelled to turn to my right. And to my right, like about 10 yards away, was Ashley Arwood, who's probably serving our church ministry right now. She, she was serving at the gathering. She was like, you know, refilling the water or whatever. And the Lord dropped on my heart to go and tell her she's going to be a crucial part, a huge asset to her husband's business. So the Lord said, hey, go tell her this. So I was going to go and tell her, but then she walked into the kitchen because she was, you know, helping out. She was serving us. So I said, you know, I'll talk to her later. And then after the meeting, people were busy. I was talking to someone. She was talking to someone. And I said, you know what? I'll talk to her on Sunday. Well, Sunday comes along and I'm trying to find her. I see her. I was going to talk to her while she was talking to someone else. And next thing you know, I'm like, you know what? I'll just talk to her next week. And you know how this goes. Next week's come by. (coughs) I see her. I'm like, oh, I got to say something to her. But she's busy talking to someone else. And next thing you know, I'm like, I'll just wait till next week. And then week after week and week. And you know how it is. It's like you're supposed to call someone, but you keep forgetting. And after two or three weeks, you're like, it's awkward if I call now. So I might as well just not call. You ever done that before? So you make it worse by just not calling, period. That's basically what happened to me. After like three or four weeks, I'm just like, you know what? Forget it. It's super awkward now. I'm not going to go talk to her. And then in our discipleship track, we're reading the book talking about uh, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And part of the assignment I gave my discipleship group was, hey, take some time, listen to the Lord, and write down what he tells you. So I did that. I went to my office one day. I'm like, I'm going to hear from the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, clear as day, said this to me. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you anything until you obey what I told you last time. Go to Ashley Arwood and tell her this Sunday what I told you. I wrote it down, I told my discipleship group. Accountability, right? Gotta go do it. So that following Sunday, I got geared up. I'm like, if there's one thing I do this Sunday, I'm not checking any kids in. I'm not saying hi to anybody. I'm going to talk to Ashley Artwood. I'm on an assignment. Of course, it becomes the most difficult way. You know, I came and found her. She's surrounded by people, friends, and they're talking. They're chatting. I'm waiting for her to finish talking to someone because I didn't want to be rude. And she finished talking to someone. I'm like, my window, boom, someone else came in. They start talking. So I waited, waited, waited. And then she's done with talking to someone. I, I called her a couple times, and she didn't hear my name. And mind you, they're kind of new to the church, so, like, I don't know them super well. I know they're awesome and friendly. I met with Alex a couple times, but I don't really know. Ashley, super well. So I'm feeling awkward. And then eventually I tapped her on the shoulder. It's one of those like you tap her on the shoulder and she turned the wrong way and she didn't even see me. It was just like, I wanted to run, okay? You know, tap on the shoulder, they turn this way, you're like, ah, I'm gonna run this way. It's not worth it. I'm not gonna say anything. That was, I've done that before, by the way. So social anxiety, social risk, right? Just feel anxious. But finally, I got her attention. I said, hey, Ashley. I know this sounds weird, but you remember two months ago when we went to the <laughs> gathering and you remember when you served and you remember that part? I mean, she was so kind. She was so sweet. And I said, the only thing I want to share with you is that the Lord told me you're going to be a huge asset for your husband's business. You're going to truly bless him. And tears start welling up in her eyes. And what I didn't know was that Ashley has a great... Background in training and personnel, she's a great trainer in where she came from, and her husband Alex has been encouraging her to take her expertise and bring it to his business. But she feels so inadequate because she feels like her her skills doesn't translate to his industry, and he's like, "Of course it translates. Training's training, personnel's personnel. It translates." But she's been feeling so inadequate about this. So when the Lord urged me, pushed me, kind of kicked me in the butt. To share that with her is simply confirm everything that's, that Alex has been trying to pour into Ashley. The Lord is saying to her, you can do this. You are adequate. You can do this. Now, I look upon this story. Is it really about me sharing this word? No, it's really not about that. Is it really about their business? Does God care about their business? Yes, yeah, sure he does, but it's really not about this. Why this moment is so powerful for them, for the Arwood family, for me, it's because this answers a deep question that every single one of us wants to know in our heart. Does God truly care? Does God care? Does God care about Ashley? Does God care about Alex? Does God care about me? Does God care about you? Why would God nudge me and urge me and then push me and then megaphone me? Because God wants to communicate to us, He cares about you. He cares. He wants to tell the world he cares. Do you know anyone in your neighborhood, in your family, who needs to hear in the deep sense, not a generic sense, but in a specific, deep, miraculous sense that God cares about you? Maybe you need to hear that. God wants to deliver that miracle to people. and He wants you to do it. And sometimes when you do it, you might need to go through a little bit of risk. But I want to ask you, is that little bit of a risk worth delivering his care to people? Amen? Hey, if you want to grow and take the next step in one of these mindsets, I want to ask you, invite you to stand up. I want to pray for you. If you want to grow in your partnership with God, in one of these four mindsets, okay, to take risk, to proactively ask him to send you. To care about people. And to embrace things that's beyond your power. All those four mentalities are not easy. I know it's not easy for me. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. Just raise your hand and ask the Lord to touch us. Father, we embrace. We embrace the call to partner with you, God. And we acknowledge and we say, God, on our own, we're not enough. But even now, when you change our mindset... Help us embrace our limitation because we know when we truly see we, ourselves as the limited human being we are, we can embrace the godness, the godliness of who you truly are. And then we can partner with you. So through humility, through faith, we say, Lord, help us take the next step towards intimacy, and towards partnership with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, have a great Memorial Day weekend. If you need prayers,